What is the story with religious congregations and charitable giving during the COVID-19 pandemic? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. David King. David leads the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving at the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy, where his research is nationally and internationally regarded on the connection between religious faith and charitable giving, which David also brings into the classroom as a cherished member of our academic faculty. David, always great to be with you, and thanks for coming back on this Fundraising School podcast. Thanks, Bill. It's always great to be with you and and great to to learn together on these great topics. The Lake Institute has published a study on what has been happening related to the charitable giving within religious congregations in the year 2020, uh, especially after March with the COVID-19 pandemic. What did you and your colleagues find? We surveyed over 400 congregations uh, and, and got specific numbers of, of how they were doing financially from March and through July, sort of at least the first half of the pandemic. We found out about 41% of congregations had declined in their giving, but, but the half glass full uh, is that 59% were, were, were maintaining or even growing. Um, and so I think with all of the challenges that congregations experienced over these past few months, uh, to be able to sustain giving or to, to find even ways to improve was, was, a, was a great gift. Congregations are quite resilient. And so I think that's what we've begun to, found, uh, to find with, with the study. David, of those 59% that saw the charitable giving maintain or even increase during the pandemic, were there any similarities amongst those congregations that maybe indicated why they were doing well despite the world health concerns? Yeah, I think a couple things stood out. We don't know um, the, the entire picture, but, but a few of the things that I think were key were, one, uh, having uh, the technological practices already in place to receive online digital giving, uh, as well as being able to articulate that to their, uh, to their congregants. So not only were those uh, places uh, sort of already there on their website, they already created, you know, they had access to apps and, and other text-to-give type features, but they had made it a part of their culture. And so those congregations that not only had it, but talked about it, gave a great new avenue for receiving gifts when oftentimes congregations were closed and couldn't pass an offering plate or basket, which is what we know is the key way that most congregations receive income any given week. And what about the 41% where that was not the case? Again, any similarities there uh, that your study maybe uncovered? Uh, nothing that we can say specifically. Partly, we do think, you know, smaller congregations and Catholic congregations did have uh, sort of uh, the highest level of declines in their giving and their attendance. Uh, partly, probably because they did sort of fall lower on those uh, who had those online giving uh, sort of culture and mechanisms already in place. Uh, I'd say the other thing that, that, that we did learn were some of our congregations that did see declines in giving were in harder hit areas. So congregations who there is a, a clear di- uh, distinction on how this pandemic has played out economically. And so in communities where uh, maybe a higher percentage of congregants were tied up in, in industries like hospitality or other sort of food services or industries, uh, we think that might've had a, a disproportionate impact on congregational giving as well. David, the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving, your research is just so invaluable in so many ways and has been for many, many years. And, you know, some of the other findings uh, have, have demonstrated, for example, how often somebody attends 
religious worship service might be correlated to, you know, how much and how often they give to their religious congregation and, and even looking amongst different types of faiths or even within some similarities. So for example, within the Christian faith, there may be Catholic and Protestant. Within Protestant, there may be mainline and the non-denominational and, and so on and so forth. Uh, as you look at the, the previous wonderful research of the Lake Institute and this current study, again, any similarities, any distinctions, what did this most recent, recent study show in that regard? Well, we do know attendance or engagement is really key uh, and, and, and tracks really closely with, with, with religious giving. It's one of the best predictors, actually, of giving um, is religious affiliation, being affiliated with a religious tradition, and how engaged you are. Do you, do you go to those congregational worship services once a week, small group, other types of volunteer, charitable activities? Uh, that's key. What happens when you can't do that in person? And this was something we tracked. Actually, for a majority of congregations, attendance was up. Uh, if we measure attendance by uh, the number of people who are viewing the, the streamed online Zoom services. Uh, so we think, and really one important point was, there are a variety of ways to connect with your congregants, your donors, your constituents, and congregations particularly religious leaders spend an inordinate amount of time trying to find ways to engage. Uh, there are a very small percentage of congregations, less than 10%, who already had those live streaming uh, capabilities uh, in place when, before March. And so there was a quick shift to that work. Um, there were some congregations that have multiple camera angles, uh, technological crews on staff, there are other congregations where the pastor was sitting at her kitchen table with her iPhone in front of her. Mm. And so not, there is a, a wide spectrum, uh, a wide spectrum of what congregations offered, but the key was connection, reaching out, uh, not only through Zoom services, for instance, but creating old fashioned ways of phone trees and checking in on each other. Those sort of touch points, I think were one key thing we saw with congregations over these now six, nine months. David, when we look at uh, the nonprofit sector broadly, and you know, one of the things we've observed through the fundraising school is that nonprofits that were strong already uh, tend to be having the best prospects to endure through the pandemic. Those that already had close relationships you know, with their donors and can stay in touch with their donors. And the research shows that donors typically stay with the nonprofits who they've already supported when there's an economic downturn. It can be difficult for nonprofits to gain new donors. Uh, during a time of economic downturn. Do you see that as well in religious congregations? Again, are there similarities? Are there differences? What are you seeing there? Well, I would say that's, that's exactly the same thing we've seen with congregations. That, uh, you know, particularly towards the end of the fiscal year through June, uh, congregations were doing quite well, um, uh, sort of being able to hold uh, steady. I think those relationships were already there. Their congregants rallied around that need that they saw. Uh, and continue to give as they normally would. Uh, there, there are question marks maybe now, um, particularly the last few months as we entered for more economic uncertainty, there was a lot of political uncertainty. Um, and so as this goes longer and longer, there's some, been some question marks that may have uh, had some donors to hold back just a bit. But I think it's those relationships that were already in place, that congregations, just like other nonprofits, rallied around. Uh, and I think that's exactly what we've been seeing uh, and probably is uh, a promising sign for congregations. The other thing I think that would be, would be important to note is that uh, congregations, just like the other nonprofits, what we've seen maybe is not so much 
uh, a fissure in what's happening, but really an accelerant to sort of see the, the nonprofits or the congregations that were already um, sort of moving with new imagination around their mission have found ways to continue to grow that. Those who were stuck, who were sort of, sort of inside the walls of their organization may have found difficulty in finding a new way out. I would say there is one possibility that this is an, is an eye-opening experience for some congregations that we've had stories and learned from where this has been a remarkable time where they can reflect about who they want to be in a new space, in a new time. And maybe a sort of a silver lining in a very difficult year, but could be something that motivates congregations to new change. You know, David, uh, you know, th that's been a big question as religious congregations have needed to go online. And, you know, even as the pandemic is stretched out, some have gone into this hybrid where you can still attend in limited numbers or still attend online. Uh, and people wondered, is that going to affect charitable giving to these congregations? And if I'm understanding you correctly, your study is showing not necessarily that if congregations are maintaining high levels of connection, they can still maintain at least steady charitable giving from their congregations. I also know your study also found something very interesting in terms of the financial strength of the congregations, maybe determined how long they stayed online before going back in person. Can you help our audience understand that finding as well? Yeah, I think there was, there was something that we began to uh, discover that congregations with endowments, with savings, uh, were more likely to maybe be a bit more patient in reopening than congregations who were extremely dependent on those every week offerings. So there was a little bit there that we think sort of played a, played a role. Um, the question now, I think, as we've, uh, many congregations have reopened, uh, many of them had hybrid types of, of forms of re-engagement. Those congregations here in Indiana, where, where, where we are, sometimes their outdoor services are about ready to pack it up for the winter. Um, and so I think one question we're seeing that's concerning is that as there's, there's Zoom fatigue, there's fatigue across the board, uh, leaders are incredibly overworked, um, tired, uh, and are stretched uh, inc uh, incredibly thin. So how can we sustain this work? I think it really is relying on all those volunteers, those other leaders alongside the religious leaders and congregations that can help support the work of our organizations as we continue to go through this challenging year and into 2021. And David, if I could ask you to, to summarize uh, in that respect as we conclude here. Again, uh, one thing I enjoy about serving alongside you is you find the data, you stick with the data, you apply the data, and we learn so much from you. But if I could ask you to just look forward, look ahead as best you can, what advice do you have for religious congregations? Technology rarely, if ever, goes backwards. There could be people yearning to get back into their religious congregations. Others might say, you know what, from the convenience of my home has been working out fine and I'm going to stay there and a lot of folks in between. What advice do you have for religious congregations as they think about this aspect of who they are as a philanthropic organization, the charitable giving from their congregants? Yeah, I think an important note that, we, that we've learned uh, even more so this year uh, is not new, but I think being mission-oriented, externally oriented, and bringing communities together to work for making a difference and change in communities, whether that's locally, nationally, internationally, it will continue to be the glue that we can see that will bring people into your organization. Uh, and we might have to count or measure uh, our impact uh, um, differently. Maybe it's not going to necess necessarily be uh, the number of people who pass through our services on a Sunday morning. 
Um, but thinking about uh, the ways that you can find connection points and engagement, not just within the walls of your organization, but externally, I think will be the key that will draw people back into your organization, whether they stream your services from home or whether they're there at nine or 11 o'clock on a, on a Sunday morning. And suddenly uh, your potential audience is not just your local geographic region, your parish, however particular religious faith defines that local geographic area. Somebody could be on the space station and still be observing their worship service. And we've seen a lot of that. We've seen uh, congregations who are, who are attracting attenders from all across the states, internationally. It goes to show you the reach that this technology can, can has and how congregations that are healthy, thriving, and have a message that attracts those around mission. Um, you can re really grow your impact. Dr. David King leads the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving at the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy. So I'm going to give you a, a web address here, philanthropy iupui.edu. When you get to that homepage, look across the top bar and you're going to see institutes. You click on institutes, you'll get a drop down menu, and you're going to find the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving. You'll find this study, which is available for free. You'll find the other research of the Lake Institute, and importantly, the uh, professional development, executive education, uh, continuing education that is research based but fully app applicable to your religious congregation, all of that through the Lake Institute and Faith and Giving. Now, if you move one step over on that top toolbar to professional development, that's where you find the fundraising school, our public courses, our custom training, our current affairs series, our crisis response scholarships, these podcasts, all of our offerings as well. Again, that website, philanthropy.iupui.edu. With Dr. David King, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.